on a warm April morning in the shadow of our mighty Kutharinga, our Castle Hill, walking through what really is our history. Bob, what what do you love about this place, this this cemetery at West End? I call it a living museum. It's <laughs> <laughs> it, it, um, where all the dead people live. Well, they, exactly. <laughs> um, actually, some people get a bit funny about walking through here, saying, "Oh, it's haunted." No one died here. This is where they're buried. Right. So it's it's a, it's um, a place that houses the pioneers of, of the north. Yeah. And not only from Townsville, but there are a lot of people buried here from the north, um, from Charters Towers, um, way out west. We have the people who discovered the gold. Yep. We have a, a soldier from the Confederate Army is buried. Wow. Oh, okay. We have a member of uh, another person who was involved, heavily involved in the Eureka Stockade, <laughs> is buried here. We have the Wackett family is buried here, so their sons um, help um, start the Royal Australian Air Force yeah, yeah. back after World War One. When here you I... walk through it, what, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? I, I don't know. The guys say here that, that the the people here talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we're finding lots of people that have been lost in the records. Um, we're dispelling a lot of myths about, about who's buried here, yeah. where they're buried here, and um, quite, quite ironically... Unbeknownst to me, yeah, we're, we're finding people and I don't know why we're finding them or how we're finding them. There's some weird Perhaps stories. they are speaking to you. <laughs> they, I'm over here, Bob. Everyone, everyone sort of says if, if you don't know something, ask Bob because they all talk to him. Um, I, I, and I tell the soldiers when they come here and um, from 3RAO who, um, who do a lot of um, community work here, I, I tell them that, um, that don't be worried about walking on their graves. They all appreciate about what you're doing here. Oh. Because um, like 15 years ago, this place was like a builder's paddock. Yes. Um, most of the Headstones were pushed over and oh, broken. Yeah. As you can see, a lot of we've glued them all back together. John May and John Weir um, have glued a lot of them all back together. We've stood everything back up, fixed all the graves back up, put paths through, and made the place quite a, a nice place to walk your dog and, and enjoy. Bob, tell me about the Murrays. Well, George Murray was the uh, the mayor of Townsville during World War One, and in 1915, um, his younger son actually was um, in uh, the one of the battalions that landed at Gallipoli right. and was subsequently killed at, at Gallipoli. Yep. So he'd, he'd lost one son. He continued on as mayor of Townsville and then in 1918 at a council meeting on a Tuesday night, the telegram boy um, came in um, to, and, and interrupted the council meeting saying, yep. I've got a telegram here, the mayor for the, for the mayor. Yep. Um, and the... The, um, the telegram instructions on it was for the mayor to instruct um, Councillor George Murray that his son has just been killed at, or had been killed at, um, at Poziers in France. To him. To he him. got the telegram. I had a council meeting. So he, he read, the, read the telegram, he slowly folded it up, put it in his pocket, and then he departed the council meeting. And um, no one ever saw him again until 1923 when he went to the Crown Hotel. He had a beer at the bar and he said, well, that's it. And then he walked into the Ross Creek and drowned himself. And his story is here at the West End Cemetery. I notice it's George and Margaret. His wa- and his wife as well. So George was a builder and he um, ran a very successful building um, company. Even after he he um, he pulled the pin as the mayor, he um, he still continued um, with the carpentry business, but he was very solemn and he withdrew himself completely from public life. 
lost both his sons in the war. It's a, um, a story not uncommon um, for families in Australia. You think of the soldiers that are killed in action overseas yep. and, and the traumas and, and the depression and the sadness that the families experience back here in Australia, quite often not knowing that their sons had died until a year or many weeks, months later after the event. Bob, tell me about the Baxters. This uh, this man has an extraordinary story. He does. This is um, 3768 Private BJ or Jack Baxter. Yeah. So he joined the AIF in uh, 1914. In World War One, he joined the 31st Battalion. Yep. He went to um, France. Yep. And then he participated in no less than about 13 um, battles and, and survived the lot. Survived the lot. He was well, survived the lot. He, all of them. He survived the whole lot. And then at the end of the war, he comes back to Townsville and does his little job here. And then at the onset of um, World War Two, he rejoins the army. This time he becomes a lieutenant in the second 40, in the second 14th Battalion. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes on to serve in North Africa and fights the Vissi French, yep. the Italians. Then the battalion comes back to Australia, does a bit of training up here at the Atherton Tablelands. Yeah, and yeah. then up into the Kokoda track, he fought there, then Bona, Lay, and then he was in the Battle of Papen survived a lot. And then he passes away here in 1978 at the wow. age of 84. It's quite common for soldiers to serve their country, fight in battalions, yep. fight the enemy, survive, and then come back to Australia, live live their life, yep. and then pass away with no one knowing their history. <gasps> so no one, no, so no one knows... The monument the, there is put there by his family. Mm. And there's no other history... That's it. Ri- ...written here. Thank goodness for volunteers like you to know the story of local man Jack Baxter walking history our history this great garrison city's history what history it is too at the West End Cemetery tell me the place I'm standing at now you are standing on the grave of Mr and Mrs Hugh Quinn so they are the parents of Major Hugh Quinn of <gasps> Quinn's Post at Gallipoli I think we all have heard of Quinn's Post yeah and there's nothing around to signify they're here the- Every spot here in the in the Townsville Cemetery is taken up with a with a burial. So even oh, though no. there, there may be um, no crosses or no no monuments, yeah. it doesn't mean nobody anybody is there. Right. So it, every 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 spot is taken up with a grave, and the um, the Quins sadly when they um, both passed away within two weeks of each other here in in Townsville in the early 1940s, um, they're both buried together in this yep. in this one grave, and there is nothing here to signify that. How did we find them? I was interested because everyone had told me that Major Hugh Quinn was a Charters Towers boy, yeah. but I did find in some Townsville records that there was a um, a constable, John Quinn, yeah, and it's actually his father, and he served in the um, in the police force here in Townsville, mm-hmm. um, and they'd moved to Townsville when Major Hugh, when Hugh Quinn was just um, like three years old from right. Charters Towers, so he came here on promotion, and they stayed here and, and passed sadly passed away here. So Hugh, young Hugh Quinn. Grew up here grew in the up, city. He grew up in Townsville, yes. And, and went to the First World War, as we all know, of Quinn's Post. But, uh, mate, how did you know they were actually here, though, at this place? Um, the cemetery records that, that John Weir has put together over the years, and from that we determined that this is the spot. This is Block A, um, Row 12, <laughs> Grave 2, is where the Quinns are buried. Could we get something? A look? You need permission from okay. family members. and. What if there's no family members? Can't we do it as a city to say well, we are, are proud of this of this name, the, Quinn? Yeah, yeah, 
could could well do that. There are others buried here the same. Um, C.S. Rowe, who is one of the um, foremost, he built the very first hut in Townsville at uh, Comerford's Lagoon, which is where Strand Park is now. Yeah. Um, he's buried here in an unmarked grave. No. Um, we have, um, and various other people, um, the very first bootmaker of Townsville, um, J.C. Stocker, he's buried here um, oh. in an unmarked grave. We have quite a few that are wow. buried here in, in unmarked graves. Not uncommon. It doesn't mean that there wasn't something here before. Right. There could have been a timber cross. Right. It's been through a hell of a lot of cyclones. It has. It's been th- been through a traumatic time with neglect, and you've got to think there were army camps all around here yeah, during World yeah. War II, so soldiers would have hung out in here. There were all, all sorts of reasons as to why the graves are, are unmarked. But, wow, something our city should be proud of. And here, on a graveside, a few weeds, uh, a rather weathered little column, all it says is Charles Pozier's. What does that mean, Bob? It is a private Charles Henry Warboys. Um, his serial number was 4535. Yep. And he is the only son of a Townsville widow. Her name was Susan Warboys, and she li- they lived in South Townsville. So he joined the AIF on the 20th of September 1915 in Townsville at the age of 19. He's posted to the 26th Battalion, the, the AIF, and arrives in France and Pozières on the 28th of July 1916. And then on the 25th of August 1916, he dies of wounds sustained at the Battle of Pozières. So he's buried in a um, French cemetery um, just outside of Albert and France. He's plot one, row H, and, and grave number four. Um, his mother is not notified, like I was talking about before, yeah. is not notified of his death until the 13th of December 1916. So she had to wait quite a few months before she was told. Who's he with here? So he's with the um, the war boys Asquith and the Wright family. Yep. So times were a bit hard for, for single ladies um, back in, in the day. She was their domestic. Well, so, um, but she um, she was there like their mate, head of household. This grave before me, Bob, one of our volunteers who does amazing work. Tell me about George. So George Glendower Blackson was the first commanding officer of the Kennedy Regiment here in, in North Queensland. In yep. the he st- took up that post in the 1870, 1880s, I should say, mm-hmm. with the with the beginnings of the um, the garrison battery at Jazine, yep. and also we had one at Magazine Island, which is now where the port is. Mm-hmm. We had two forts here, um, so he was he was running the militia. So everybody back then had to be if you were a male and you were aged between eighteen and. 45, you had to be in the militia or a rifle club. Right. So, and they would have gatherings, um, musters, um, normally uh, in either Townsville, Ravenswood and Bowen uh, once a year, and they would practice army manoeuvres. But um, he was the first one. Ironically, um, he was sacked and then rein- reinstated and then sacked and then reinstated. W- why was that? Because he, he had a slight problem with alcohol. I see. He enjoyed and, himself. And pompousness. <laughs> <laughs> so, he thought so he was he'd it. get into trouble in the army. Army and then they'd reinstate him. Yeah, that's it. Lovely. So with, with a change, with a change of politicians, he would get get reinstated. He and must then, have been good. And then, oh yeah, but by the end of their term, they'd sacked him again, and <laughs> then new politicians would would take on the role, and then and then he would get reinstated again, and then sacked again. But, George, is that true? Yeah, it was. But his his wife, on the other hand, was quite an amazing lady. She was a midwife in okay. um in West End and delivered literally thousands of babies. I'd say she was uh, quite an amazing lady. He marries her quite late in life. Right. Um, even though he does pass away at 56 years of age. There is a story with George, though. At one of the musters, um, everybody on the muster um, got food poisoning. Right. Um, except for George, who um, actually just fell off his horse and broke his collarbone. 
but the hierarchy at the, in Queensland, in Brisbane, asked her how come he didn't get um, uh, food poisoning, and the answer was that he didn't eat anything, he just drank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I guess the soldiers he trained, seeing, uh, looking at the stone he passed away in 1900, would have gone on to World War One. A lot of them did, and before that they were in the Boer War. Right. So um, you have the, the Tolls, the Wilmots, um, you have the Robertsons, yep. and lots of men here in the north um, served not only Boer War, World War One, and World War Two, but yeah, they've always served their country. Actually, the very first soldiers to to go to World War One in um, in 1914 was uh, the AN and MEF force, and the men from the Kennedy Regiment were the first to depart Australian shores to go um, and fight the Germans in German New Guinea, which was just a radio station. But they didn't get there. Under a frangipani tree here at the West End Cemetery, some amazing names are here. Tell me about those who are buried in this plot, Bob. Well, this is the grave of Thomas Ridgely. He was one of the doctors of Townsville. Actually, he was the army doctor. Yep. And he was also the doctor um, for the mayor um, of Wilmot. Um, who was um, who's buried down at the front of the cemetery, mm-hmm. um, and they had to deal with things like the plague. But he has a son, and at this stage in the 1880s, his son is 1887, his son is only like three years old, and after a hard day, Thomas comes home, and as they did back then, he had a small opiate, and he overdosed, and he dies in his study in his house in Townsville. Mm-hmm. And he's buried here. But on the side of his grave, we have Thomas... Anglis Ridgely, yeah. who um, on his grave it says he died of wounds received in action at Gallipoli, 28th of May uh, 1915. When I was working at Jazine, a family by the surname of Ridgely um, came up to me. They were looking for a private Thomas Ridgely. They said they'd been to the War Memorial who informed them that they had no record of a Thomas Ridgely um, actually passing away or being killed in action at Gallipoli. And I brought them here to the West End Cemetery and showed them the grave of Thomas Anglis Ridgely. And from that, I worked out that after the death of his father, his mother moved back to England, taking the son with with her. And then when he grew up, he emigrated to New Zealand. And with the outbreak of World War One, or shortly to happen, he joined the New Zealand Army Corps. Yep. And he was in a New Zealand battalion yep. killed at Gallipoli. And that's where the word Anzac comes from. Okay, yeah. Australian, New Zealand Army Corps. And as a result, yeah, the um, the War Memorial was sort of unable to help him because he was a New Zealander. But they should have known. I think I think it's just a bit of a miscommunication <laughs> now. But I'm pretty sure. But what, how did he end little, up here then? Well, I don't know. No, Bob! That's one thing I don't know. He went from New Zealand to World War One, and he ended up here. And his whole family, no one's here, but someone has put that on the side, which is quite amazing. Richard Oswood Ellis Geddes. Tell me, Bob, what's the story of Richard? Well, Trooper Richard Oswald Ellis Geddes was in the Militia Light Horse. Okay. And in 1892, the um, Australian Army had been issued with new Martini um, Henry rifles. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, on one of their muster parades here in Townsville, um, the commanding officer, which is Blacksland up the back there, um, decided to take all the men down to the rifle range to learn how to use their their new rifles. so they all headed down, the, the army, the light horse, I think even the garrison battery headed down. This is um, the rifle range rifle, where it was at the port. That's exactly yeah, right, yeah, okay. rifle range road. Um, they're there, um, they're on the mound, and um, there's a private Comerford. He's mucking around with his, um, his new Martini Henry, and he accidentally fires off a shot, and the round um, hits a um, trooper 
the light horse trooper, um, Walter Wilmot. It hits his water bottle, bounces off that and hits Trooper Geddes, yep. who's also light horse, in the stomach and he dies three days later in his West End home in his mother's arms. After the floods, topsoil got washed away. I actually found the rounds that they used in the, um, in the volley. At his at the funeral here, I found them all in a line. Really, I found them all in a line just here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Was this a common occurrence of a unlawful discharge? Um, it's always been a problem in the army, whether yeah. it's on the battlefield or on the range, here, yeah, but, especially yeah. here in Townsville. You got fourteen days con- confined to barracks, right. and, and a fine of forty dollars. This one so was unique, though, wasn't it? It was. This this one here is the very first one in Australia, and they actually form, formulated a thing called the Gettys Report, which is about six oh. pages long. Yeah, and uh, in result of of, of what happened here on this day um, and today all the rifle ranges all around Australia, up at High Range yep. Mount Stewart, everywhere around Townsville for example, all operate on the Gettys Report which is now volumes and volumes and volumes thick. And it all came from, from the, Richard? All came from this, this incident, yes, back in 1892. Incredible. See, that's our history. And there's so much more here at the West End Cemetery and, well, many places around our city, our garrison city. We're 102.3 Triple M.